I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. we got a very special guest today, Kent Blazy, Hall of Fame songwriter. Um, he's released a new album called For the Birds, and we're going to play you a little clip of the first song on that record called Crossing the Rubicon, a really cool song, and uh, here's the chorus. everybody we got a very special guest today we got kent blazy who is a hall of fame songwriter inducted in 2020 is that correct correct uh the show was until 2021 thanks to this crazy little thing in america going on <laughs> yeah there's a lot of crazy things in america going on but Ooh. particularly that one yeah um congrats on that because i've not spoken to you since then i guess that's yeah, awesome thank you um, Kent and I, I, my first contact with Kent was uh, he used to write with my first publisher. And so every now and then I would see him in our office and, uh, and Kim Williams would tell me all kinds of stories about shenanigans you and Garth and he got, <laughs> got into. Mm -hmm. And he, he would sometimes tell me, you know, hey, we wrote a song nobody's ever going to put out. And then he'd say, Garth's putting out that song. Well, so, you know, Garth's that kind of guy that uh, we did a, in the round the other night with Tony and Pat and Vic. And you just hear some of the songs that Garth recorded of, especially Tony's like anonymous and you go, nobody else would ever have cut that song. Um, but that's, yeah. that's his, uh, his depth as an artist. Pretty yeah. cool. You know, one of, one of the things that, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but one of the things Kim used to tell me was that Garth, you know, he had, he'd been rejected by, most of the labels, if not all the labels, he was working at a boot store. Right. And, and Kim was just like, you know, I, I loved the guy and I felt like he had something special and that's why I, I really invested in him. But what, tell us your early interactions with Garth and, and what got you into that and what uh, kind of got you in the inner circle. Well, Bob Doyle had been my contact at ASCAP while I was there. And, um, so Bob called me one day and he said, I've got this kid I'm managing. He's cleaning churches and selling boots and um, I'm leaving ASCAP to manage him. And so that was my first, what the heck? Because, you know, Bob Doyle can squeeze the, you know, what out of a Buffalo nickel. So I'm <laughs> he's leaving a high paying job to manage this kid. There must be something there. So I bought him over to the house because I had a demo studio and Garth wanted to sing demos. And that's basically how I met him. And when they were leaving that day, they played me a cassette. Um, I don't know if your listeners know what a cassette is anymore, but uh, <laughs> we, we can put a picture up on the, <laughs> yeah, that he played me six songs and I loved his voice. And, you know, at the time in my demo studio, my singers were like Faith Hill and Martina McBride and Joe Diffie and Randy Travis and Billy Dean and none of them, Trisha Yearwood, none of them could get a record deal. So it was kind of like, okay, here's another kid, you know, wanting to sing demos, we can do it. And um, so when they were leaving, Bob said he writes a little bit too. And um, so we set up a writing appointment for a couple months down the road. 
And uh, the first thing we ended up writing, which was Garth's idea, was if tomorrow never comes. So um, that shed another light on how much depth he had. I thought at the end of the day, well, he's like 25 going on 50, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, so we just got to be really good friends after that. He sang a lot of demos for me. Um, I introduced him to Trisha because they were both singing demos for me. And um, it's just been a wild ride when you look back on it. But, um, you know, when he wanted to write, he was cleaning churches and selling boots. And I could have said no, but there was just something about, hey, why not? You know, and I found out later I was the only songwriter who had had a top five or 10 record that would write with him. And so that kind of surprised me, too. But um, you know, he just, at the time, even when he got his record deal, Clint Black was just burning it up and everybody was putting money on Clint, but Garth just had that, uh, I guess, athlete, uh, competition thing in him that I'm going to show all these people and yeah, did. So it was very interesting to watch how, you know, he, he was traveling in a bread truck and Clint had two buses and that just made him work that much harder. And he did. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I see so many people that are that are aspiring writers that, you know, they're spending so much of their time trying to write up or, or you know, get a, get an opportunity with an artist that's already signed and that kind of thing. And I see so many people like you and Kim and, and been the case with me too, just investing in people that you believe in that are around you and, and that you have access to is is more often the way that leads to success, I think. Would you agree? I agree with that. I mean, you have to go with what you know, you know, we're, we're, we're coming across so many talented people these days, but you get a feeling on, well, this person's going to be a uh, kind of person to invest my time in. And then there's other people you go, well, I'm trying to get in this click, but it's really not doing any good. So I've always found with writers or with artists, I have to have a relationship with them and it's got to be fun. You know, if it's not fun writing with somebody, I don't really feel like I'm going to give it my best effort. So yeah. uh, finding those people that you have that um, vibrational compatibility with them, as somebody told me one time. And, um, you know, I had that with Garth right from the beginning. And um, I think Kim did, too. And I did when I met Kim, you know, it was just, hey, this is this is wonderful. Let's do this. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we, we had some uh, young girls in Songtown that um, I think they were 12 and 14. And I encouraged a number of people to write with them because I thought they were really talented. And most of the people said, I don't want to write these kids, you know, and they just had the number one pop song in the world. There you go. You know, and it, so I, I think the the point is there's there's really talented people out there that haven't made it yet. And if you find those people that you connect with and that you believe in, they believe in you, uh, you can do great things. You know, I agree. And, and what I've seen, uh, sadly, in the last five, six, seven years is um, I had three young artists I'd worked with uh, two or three years helping them learn how to write. And, uh, you know, they were writing with a bunch of people. But the last call I got from all three of them was, hey, I got a record deal. And then you never hear from them again. And yeah. it's like, once they get a record deal, they're told who they have to write with and, and all that stuff. And you, and it's sad because you kind of get to the point of, you know, what, it, what is it? If you keep creating the same thing over and over again, it's insanity. And 
I went, okay, that's kind of sad, but um, you think they would remember who helped them at the beginning, like Garth. And of course he spoiled everybody right off the bat, but it's just a different world now than it was. So that's why, yeah, get with people you like, and hopefully they will remember who you are once they get going. Yeah. They do seem to forget somehow. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Another writer expressed it to me recently. He was like, man, I'm tired of teaching young artists how to write. And then watching them take off without me, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can write a number one song with somebody these days and never hear from them again, which blows my mind. But that's just how it is these days. Everybody's on to the newest, hippest, hottest thing. And um, if you're not it, they're going to tell you who it is. I had one young guy on a record label tell me, you know, we write really good songs, but my my group thinks the things that they write, that they own all of it is better than what we write. And I said, well, thanks for being honest. Why don't we <laughs> do this anymore? You know, uh-huh. and we yeah. have, and it's like, okay, I get it. Uh, it's just, I'll go walk the dogs instead you know, <laughs> or, or, or write my own stuff, which is what I kind of did during COVID. And um, I'm fine with that. Or you could go shine your hall of fame plaque. I mean, you, well, you yeah, could, you could <laughs> I'm, I'm do that. Yeah. You could, um, you could do that while, while they're uh, writing better stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's an interesting time and uh it's so good that you're there for these young writer artists because everybody needs an awareness of what's really going on these days because it's changed so much in the last 10 25 years so yeah um, you're you're a valuable commodity out there i try to be you succeed. <laughs> well, tell me what what's exciting you right now with your songwriting, with your music. I know you just put out a, a record. So tell us a little bit about that. But, you know, what what's keeping you uh, writing songs? What's keeping me writing songs is, you know, people say, um, well, you're writing any country songs. And I'm like, I don't know what country music is these days. So about three or four years ago, I just got to the point and COVID just made it that much more so of starting to write a bunch of songs by myself again, like I used to, uh, just for the the fun of it. And all of a sudden I had all these songs. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll go in and start doing some records. And what it did, it gave me the freedom to write whatever I want to write and say whatever I want to say without wondering who's going to cut this or, you know, is this commercial or, um, I've been telling people for three years or so that I'm Americano when they ask me what I do. And Robert Orman just wrote a review on the last record I did, and he called me an Americana artist. So I said, see, <laughs> I'm Americana. So it's just it's moving into a different thing and um, not trying to chase what we chased, but just writing what gives me satisfaction and having fun with it. And, you know, if it's not fun anymore, I just don't really do it. Yeah. Um, we've been in the trenches for so long, you know, day in and day out. And, um, it's just fun to have that freedom of whatever I write today, I'm going to write, I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to say, well, this isn't going to work for anybody and just go on and keep creating. Yeah. I've done a lot of that with, um, writing from TV and movies and stuff like that. It's just, you know, I can write any kind of style. I can write any kind of topic. You know, and there there might be a home for it. There might not be. But I just look at and decide at the end of the day if it's good or not. Well, and that's it. It's good and it's freedom, you know, and it's uh, 
a lot more fun to create from freedom rather than who's going to do this song. And, uh, and, you know, you, you write so much varied stuff, kind of like I do, because we grew up on so much different music that it's like, it gives us an outlet that we might not have trying to chase the country charts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll get back to your record in a minute. Cause I want to, I want to dig into that, but I also saw your publicist sent me a list of songs that shaped you. And I thought that was so interesting. And some of those, most of those would be on, on my list as well. Talk a little bit about those. Well, I grew up in a time when we still had AM radio in Lexington, Kentucky, and it was way before FM. And so I would, I would be able to hear Tammy Wynette or Roger Miller or the Beatles or Motown or Frank Sinatra all on one radio station. And I think that just really influenced me on the variety of music that I like. I mean, I love everything from the hardest bluegrass there is to Miles Davis and classical music, you know, and it's all from that, that radio period, I think. But, you know, I also grew up in this period. The Beatles, of course, were such a big influence on everybody. But for me, it was really more the sound of Roger McGuinn and that 12 string guitar that made me want to start playing guitar. But back then we had so many amazing artists doing so many different things like Hendrix, The Doors, The Birds, Buffalo Springfield, you name it. And I was doing an interview the other day with a guy in Boston and he said, I remember in 1967, the hardest thing to pick was, was I going to buy Sgt. Pepper or Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? And I thought, <laughs> you know, iconic records. And I don't know if we have those iconic records like we we did back then that everyone was different nobody was telling them what they had to do they all had their own sound and it was an exciting time so that's what i was bringing to this new record was just that freedom of of writing stuff that i could play electric guitar on but also that had that thank you to the 60s and 70s for the music that inspired me yeah and i want to i want to read down the list and encourage everybody listening to listen to these songs if you don't know them but mr tambourine man uh, by the birds written by bob dylan heart of the matter by don henley same old lang syne by don, dan fogelberg imagine john lennon and unanswered prayers by garth pat alger and larry bastion those are all yeah. great songs you know i'm a huge fan of listening to music that in, that makes me want to write you know uh, i i heard a, a pop song have you heard if the world was ending uh-uh oh man i heard that recently it was just like Oh, okay. That's kind of thing that made me want to write, you know, and it's from two young artists and, and it's really refreshing to hear such a great song. I'll check it out. And refreshing is a great word. Yeah, it is refreshing. Um, so tell us a little bit, you know, your, um, your record is called for the birds, mm -hmm. B Y R D S. Um, and, and I noticed this interesting theme. So all songs were written by you and Steve Allen. Mm -hmm. with the exception of the title track, which was you by yourself. And then it was recorded at Allentown studio and engineered by Matt Allen. There's a lot of Allens in here. There's a lot of Allens. I don't know how that showed up, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just really interesting. You know, Allentown is Gar studio. Now he named it for Alan Reynolds and Matt's his newest engineer and Steve Allen. I met him back uh, about 19 or uh, 2017 um, at Radnor Lake and I walk at Radnor Lake and I meet so many people 
you don't know who anybody is. Nobody introduces themselves. They just say hi. But I've met, you know, uh, so many amazing musicians out there once you start talking to them. But Steve, I met one day because he said I stole his dog. And uh, <laughs> I said, well, you know, he's rescued. He could be your dog. He said, no, he's not my dog. But uh, so every time I'd see him, he said, you stole my dog. So finally we got talking and I found out he was a musician and a guitar player and he plays with the lawn players. And I said, well, join my band. So we, we started this band together playing at Douglas corner when we still had the wonderful Douglas corner. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we did some touring, went to France and went, uh, Texas a couple times and just had a great time. And so, uh, we both lost our wives to brain tumors. And so, uh, the first time we got together to write, which was in probably 2020, I had this idea and he turned it into uh, a way better positive idea that was on the last album authentic that I did. And so we went in and did a record and it was most of my stuff, but he, he played so great that during COVID I found out he lives like five minutes from me. So when COVID hit, we started writing where he would sit out on the porch and I would sit inside. Then we got where we would both sit inside with masks. Then it got where we both would sit inside six feet apart. But after about a year and a half, we realized we had enough songs to do a record. And with Steve, it's the kind of thing like you were talking about. I can have an idea, the craziest idea, and he'll go, okay, let's do that. It's not like, well, I don't know who's going to cut that. So yeah. it just gives you that freedom and he's such a great guitar player. Um, you know, he's, I call him my brother from another mother because we're so entwined on what we grew up with and what we like and all that, that it just makes it fun. So that's how it ended up being Steve Allen on every song. And, yeah. uh, and we just had a wonderful time doing it. And uh, we got a couple shows coming up on the 15th and 16th with the band at the listening room and the bluebird, they're both letting me do a band show there, which is pretty cool, but, um, he'll definitely be featured on guitar and it's just fun to play live and play electric guitar live, you know, yeah. and get out and play again. So, so that's so, July 15th and 16th. Yeah. 2022 in Nashville. So if you're, if you're listening to this before that show and you're in Nashville, you should try to check that out. Yeah. The listening room on the 15th and then the bluebird on the 16th. That's awesome. How would you describe the, that album? Um, I would say eclectic. <laughs> you know, it starts off. Uh, I wanted something really Bruce Springsteen-y on the beginning, and I was really influenced by um, John Lewis, who was a, a senator who passed away during the COVID thing. And he had stood on the bridge in uh, Alabama with all the other people that um, basically opened up the civil rights movement to all of America and all those people barely survived the beatings they got. And, uh, it just really came home to me when I, I started hearing about him. And so I wanted to write a song thanking him for what he did. And uh, on every record, I try to do a, an homage to somebody like Tom Petty or Bob Dylan or Merle Haggard, um, just to thank them for what they did. So for the birds was kind of that same thing. You know, they were such a huge influence on me and what I wanted to do. And uh, of course, Bob Dylan wrote so many of their songs and that's how I found out about Bob Dylan. And uh, so it, the record's got a little bit of, of everything on it from uh, falling in love ballads with our new wives to, uh, to rock and roll. 
That's awesome. And there was one other interesting story I meant to mention earlier. So how did you get your first guitar lessons? There there was some crime involved. It seems like (laughs) there was high crime involved. (laughs) Um, I had this neighbor that lived three streets over. He was maybe a couple of years, uh, older than me. And he was a great guitar player already at like 14 or 15 years old. And so I asked him if he would show me some guitar licks. And he said, if you buy me a pack of cigarettes and come over to the house, I'll show you a guitar lick. So that's pretty much how I started. I would have to, and of course in Kentucky, anybody could buy cigarettes. (laughs) I'd go save up my lunch money and go buy him a, a pack of cigarettes and knock on his door and say, okay, show me this licked by the Beatles or show me this licked by the birds or whatever. And so little by little, I got where I could play guitar and, and, uh, he was a big influence. He was also the treasury at our boy scout club and he ran off with all the money. So he may may be doing time somewhere now. I don't know. (laughs) He's an entrepreneur for sure. He was a great guitar player though. That's awesome. Well, what, what advice would you give people, um, starting out as songwriters, wanting to be songwriters? You know, my main advice would be keep it fun. You've got to have fun creating songs and writing songs and getting into it for that. Um, you know, there's not that outlet of, of success that there was 20 years ago when we started. I would say it's a lot harder to be a songwriter these days that's coming to town or being a new songwriter because there's not that many publishing deals because there's not mechanicals anymore. So it's always got to be fun. You've got to do it for the enjoyment of it and the love of it and follow it wherever it goes um, and have the highest expectations there is, but just know it's a, it's a long road most of the time. Like Kim Williams used to say, there's no back door. Yeah. And uh, maybe with TikTok these days, there is a back door. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, if, you, if you dance well enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the main thing. It's got to be fun and you got to do it for the love of it because there's no guarantee there's ever going to be anything else. And it's it's that self-expression that helps us all to get it out. You know, whether your mama likes it or the head of Sony Record likes it, it's still it's still what it means to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. If it's not fun, it's not going to be worth doing. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we'll put all the links to all your stuff in the show notes. Uh, so everybody check out Kent's website and uh, his music's out everywhere. So uh, you, you can hear it there, but it's great stuff. Thanks for being with us. Well, thanks. It's great to see you again. Um, I think the last time we really did a gig was what, in the Virgin Islands or something? Yeah, we're in St. John. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to do that again. (laughs) I would love to do that. I hope to see you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. We're going to leave you with a song. This is another one written by Kent and Steve Allen. I forgot to mention Steve on the front end. He was a co-writer on that one as well. Um, This one's called She Believed in Me. Uh, We'd love it if you enjoy our podcast, if you give us a review, rate us wherever you listen. Also, in the show notes, there's a link to some uh, books that Clay and I have written about songwriting and also to Songtown itself, where you can find out more about our community. Take care, and we'll see you next week. She believed in me when I lost my way. She believed in me. Oh, she kept the faith when I no longer.
myself She was the only one who could help Oh, she gave me the strength